What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Welcome to the World of Sports podcast. I'm your host, John Kolar. And I'm your co-host, Braxton. And um, it's a lot of stuff to unpack this week, so let's get right into it like we always do. Yeah, so we're going to get right into it. So the first topic today, um, kind of shocking news, kind of unshocking news in some aspects, but Tom Brady is returning for his 23rd season to the NFL. Um, the Bucks have opened, have welcomed him back with open arms, but you know there's still some circumstances they're trying to you know figure out as far as getting that team together. Uh, Braxton, what was your first reaction to this news? So my first reaction to it, I mean, I was I was shocked at at the moment when I first got the notification on my phone because I just. Like we, you had said once before, you had said that he seemed to be a, a type of man who, once he made a decision and made his mind up about something, he wouldn't kind of go back on it. And I feel like at this point, it was he was he had been retired for I mean when the season end for them in like February, so I mean he'd been retired for almost a month and a half by now or a month straight up. So it's like, what's the point in going back? I mean. I mean, he got nothing to prove. I just, I just didn't understand it. But what you, what did you think about it? Yeah, kind of, you know, the same thing along those lines. Like, what's, what's the purpose in him coming back? He literally has zero to prove in terms of, you know, um, championships, stats, you know, all kind of those accolades. So that was kind of puzzling to me. Um, I don't really understand. Why I kind of thought if he was going to make the decision to come back, it would be like a little later in, you know, the off season. He only sat out 40 days before he decided to come back. So that was kind of weird to me. I also don't understand why he decided to come back because you've done everything that you possibly could have done. I really don't know, but um, I can tell you just one thing for sure. He wouldn't come back if his family didn't okay for him to come back because when he left, you got to remember, we were talking about a guy who was going to spend time with his family. So now, 40 days later, reacting to him coming back, it's only right that his family okayed for him to come back and play, you know, a 23rd season. Yeah, it's, it's kind of – I don't know how – if I was one of his, you know, intermediate family members, how I would feel about that. Like, I've seen a, a report say Tom Brady wasn't cut out for retirement life. Like, he don't want to be with his kids or nothing. Like, it's, I mean, I, I get, you know, he have his love for the game, but at a certain point, you know, as the greatest to ever do it, I mean, I'm not, I'm not encouraging him to retire, but I just feel like – we can keep the back and forth out of it. If you want to play, play. If you don't, don't. Because he's what he's doing is he's kind of messing up other situations going on in the league, like as far as free agency and people wanting to do what they need to do. So I just feel like I feel like he should have went about it a different way. But that's just my opinion on it. Thanks. I feel the same way. I feel like you know. Um with him deciding to return, 
you know, some of these players are free agents and they're going to try to make moves. And, you know, um, for example, he's he's lost both of his starting guards. Um, one, Ali Marpet retired not too long after he retired. You know, that could have played a good, a, a big decision in it. You know, him thinking that Tom Brady's going for good and they really don't have a chance without him. That could have played a big decision in Ali Marpet retiring. And also, Alex Kappa just signed a deal, well, intends to sign a deal with, with Buffalo, I mean, not Buffalo, sorry, Cincinnati. So he's uh, he's going to have to, you know, kind of make, they're going to have to figure out ways to get him his protection because without protection, Tom Brady doesn't excel. So they're going to have to find ways to get him protection. But I did see today that uh, they traded um, for a right guard, I think, um, Shaq Mason from the Patriots, so they're kind of like trying to rebuild and and, and 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 get this all figured out, but it's going to be tough just considering like maybe most of these free agents thought that Tom Brady was going for good, and so that played a big role into what they did in, you know, the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and coming off what you just said is uh, people kind of making their decisions around what he was doing. Uh, their former uh, – their former guard, Alex Kappa, he he saw Brady was coming back and he said, let me get up out of here. He signed a, a four-year deal for $40 million with the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he found, figured that, you know, Brady playing with him, he just, he just didn't want that at that certain amount of time. And he was like, I need to get out of here. Facts. But old time's back, man. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting with this NFC South. You know, especially if one of these teams, you know, laying what we're about to talk about next, that's it's going to be real interesting. For sure. But uh, transitioning to what we was what we're about to talk about next. So, uh, as you as we know, uh, there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of talk and chatter about the situations and allegations regarding uh, Houston Texans quarterback right as as of today Deshaun Watson and uh regarding his cases his uh sexual assault allegations as well but the news broke uh mm, I want to say early early this week I believe or late last week um that he would not be criminally charged for any of the cases he still has the civil suits which are still outstanding and uh you know, haven't been resolved yet. But what do you think about that news first? And then we'll get into the football stuff later. But what do you think about that news coming out? Um, You know, as far as that news, uh, is is you know, it's going, it's going to be interesting to see that, you know, the rest of it fold out as far as the 22 civil lawsuits he has against him. But um, as far as him not being criminally charged, that – played a big role in, in his football, not even his life outside of football, but his football life as well, because now teams are able to, you know, go and, and make trades for him and talk to him to get his side of the story of what, what has happened over, you know, the almost the past year. So um, as far as when I seen that news, I just knew that uh, the, the Sean Watson sweepstakes were going to open and teams were going to be, you know, buying to get to him. But uh, as far as that news goes, 
I just want to say, you know, congratulations to him because that's a big, you know, step in the right direction for him as far as, you know, being able to get back on the field. Yeah, I saw that um, after the news broke, he said, you know, a big reason why he wasn't, you know, trying to settle these cases and, you know, give out money or anything to try to quiet the people or who who had accused him was because he felt like the truth would always come to the light. The truth would overpower whatever negative things were said or allegations that came against him. And so in this moment, you know, it just like you said, it's a big win for him, not only for just him getting back on the football field, but as far as his reputation. So I'm, I'm sure he's very elated about the fact that, you know, all that got cleared up and, you know, looking forward to clearing up some of the rest of it. But as far as football is concerned, those sweepstakes did begin. I mean, people starting to interview him and see he's meeting with a couple of teams and trying to see, uh, you know, which, fit, which situations fit him best? Which situation do you think most, you know, intrigued your mind whenever you saw it pop up on the headlines and teams that he was looking at? <laughs> I'm laughing, bro, because you already know what I'm about to say. Let's go, New Orleans. It's time to go get him, New Orleans. It's time. It's time to go get him. Man, really and truly, though, from looking at it from a football standpoint, not just being, you know, a, a, a fan of the Saints, I really do believe that the Saints are the best landing spot for him in terms of if he wants to win. If he wants to win and, you know, become an, a surefire Super Bowl contender right away, then New Orleans is the right place for him because you got to think about it. We have him – you got Alvin Kamara, you got Michael Thomas, along with some other, you know, um, young receivers. Uh, the Saints always depend on having good offensive lines, so he has that. And he also has a, a good defense that's going to back him up, a championship-level defense that even if, you know, say, for instance, he has to sit out six games, we can bring in a veteran quarterback to back him up and essentially, um, I wouldn't say go undefeated in those six games, but maybe win a couple games so that when and if he does come back, you know, the the gap isn't that much and he's going to be able to, you know, win games for us. So as far as that goes, if he wants to win championships, um, I would say New Orleans. Um, after New Orleans, uh, as far as championships, I would go to Panthers. Panthers have a good young core, you know, CMC, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and their defense is coming along. So I would say Panthers, but my first choice would be New Orleans, just because I feel like they're most ready to become a Super Bowl contender as of right now. Um, but also I've heard that the Falcons have entered the mix. That could be a potential landing platform just because, um, that's where he's from. He grew up as an Atlanta Falcon ball boy, so he's from Atlanta. So that could be interesting to see what he does there. But uh, if he wants to win, I don't think that Atlanta would be the best spot for him because they don't have – They got to think about it. The defense isn't that great, and they don't really have any assets on the offensive side besides Kyle Pitts. Um, they have no receivers. Calvin Ridley's done for the year. 
Um, Russell Gage signed with Tampa Bay today, so it's 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 going to be interesting. But like I said, if he's if he's ready to go win a ring, New Orleans would be the best spot for him. I would I would have to agree with you on that, just simply based on the teams that he's talked with uh, in recent weeks. I mean, I've seen that uh, you know he rejected you know meeting with the Eagles. He don't he doesn't want any part of that. But I I've seen him you know wanting to talk with the Panthers and the Saints and you know a couple of NFC South teams. And I just feel like as far as like you said, ready to win now situations, the Saints situation is just the best one at hand. I mean, you're going to pair him up with a premier running back and an elite wide receiver, one of the best, if not the best. So, you know, he's definitely in that conversation. So I feel as though – and then not only not only just as far as football scheme aspects, all that, but you want to put him in a situation where it's like, you know, the fans would galvanize around him because coming off of allegations like these – and all this criminal situation, you want to bring him in a situation where the people are going to love him, you know? He, need, he needs to feel the love because for the last, I don't know how many months, I guess six months, you know, he's he's been feeling all of the all of the hate from social media, people, fans around the league. So he needs to be in a situation that would, you know, the people would galvanize around him. And I think the Saints would be the best place for him, me personally. Yeah, and you got to look at it too. Like the Saints, they have good coaching staff. They have awesome fans. That's you know, I wouldn't say um, that they totally agree with you know his his off the field issues, but it's a fan base that's gonna embrace him no matter you know what happens, no matter what. Like if he's winning games for them. He's, they're going to embrace him. They're going to love him. And that's just, you know, a part of the Saints culture. They got a good coaching staff, good fan base, good front office that's going to, uh, that knows how to build championship level teams um, and a patient owner that's going to be patient with him and understand his story in, in some type of aspect. So I think that the Saints would uh, be a good fit in terms of, you know, um, embracing him as well. Um, in terms of embracing him, I also think Atlanta would be a good fit because, you know, that's his hometown. So people are going to want to see him play for his hometown team. So I think that would be another spot if he's looking for a team to embrace him. But, um, man, New Orleans, is it just it has all the, the right things, all the potential things that if I was him and – I was going to play for the – I was looking for a team to play with. New Orleans checks all the boxes for me. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Saints fan, but I really do believe that as a football fan, you know? Yeah, like I said, I I agree with you on that. And as far as as him coming back home, playing for Atlanta, I think that would be a feel-good story. But I think if he was trying to win, it just just wouldn't work considering – the the situation uh there you know not a lot of not a lot of i guess productive play in the recent years with them and you know they don't they don't build the best team so you know he just came from a situation where the Texans you know my my team we we failed to we failed him i feel bad we we put him in a situation we paid him a bunch of money 
And then we just removed all his assets on the offensive end. And then the defense couldn't even help him out either. So I don't think he ever wants to go through anything like that again. So I know he might feel good about playing home, but I don't think it'll be enough to take him away from the Saints. Yeah, I I think he would want assets for sure. I would think he would want assets. Um, another team that has emerged in his in the sweepstakes is uh Cleveland. Um, I don't know how he really feels about that. I mean, the one offensive weapon he has at Cleveland right now would be the newly acquired Amari Cooper via trade with Dallas, but uh, and you know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but. I don't know. I just don't feel like they're built to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think – really and truly, bro, I'm going to be honest. If he wants to win a Super Bowl, he he want, he want has to go to the NFC. The AFC is just too loaded, and it's going to be – the path to a Super Bowl is much difficult, much more difficult in the AFC than it is in the NFC. So if I was him, I would go to an NFC team. I wouldn't even consider AFC teams because because of just – you know, how difficult the path is there. Um, But I've heard, you know, that the Browns are looking into them, which ultimately would lead people to believe that um, they're not 100% committed to Baker Mayfield as their future, I mean, as their quarterback of the future. So I don't know. But like I said, if I was him, I would definitely consider going to an NFC team just because the path to a Super Bowl is much. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to harp too much on this topic, but I feel like the fact that Cleveland was willing to sit, well, sit down and want to have that conversation with Deshaun, that lets you know everything you need to know about how they feel about Baker Mayfield. And it's kind of sad to think that, you know, they had all those assets not not that long ago with Jarvis, Odell, and top top one of the top defenses and, you know, all the running backs that they had. And to think that, you know, they could be moving on from the dude that they held on to so preciously. It's like those those other guys took career. Um, how could I put this? People criticize their career and he's just been able to stay there, you know, so it kind of shows a better light on those players and more worse light on him. So that's something interesting to look at, but I'm not going to harp too much on that. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to look at. Um, and I can't wait to see what ends up happening because this could possibly change, you know, the league in, in a sense. But uh, we go, we should be able to see what happens in the coming weeks. So right, that'll be interesting. But in other news with other quarterbacks, the Seattle Seahawks traded Russell Wilson to the Broncos. That is a major move and the AFC West as days go by, just keep getting better and better. So um, how do you feel about the Russell Wilson move to Denver and also the AFC who's just gaining all this firepower, AFC West, I should say, that's just gaining all this firepower. Uh, I was, I was a little indifferent on the move. I'm happy that, you know, I'll get to see him in a different situation. And, uh, you know, I feel like the what they had going in Seattle has ran, ran its course. You know, the championship caliber team that they were in, like, 20, what, 13, 
or whatever year it was, that 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 whole mindset, that whole championship DNA is is gone now. So I feel like they were right to move on from him. But I feel like in Denver, I mean, you got Jerry Judy uh, and, you know, some other pieces, but I feel like it's kind of similar in a way. Like, I, I feel like he's going to have to work harder because he's going to be playing against more tougher teams, in my opinion, because he's going to have to play against more elite quarterbacks. He got, like, really good quarterbacks in that division. So it's just going to be tough. And uh, I hope that he can, you know, make some make some shape, you know, Win some games and you know get to get them deep in the playoffs, but I'm not I'm not too sure if I'm sold on it. What you, what do you think about it? Uh, this move was kind of like um, I kind of I'm not gonna say that I'm 100 sold on it, but I do like the move because I feel like the Broncos have some young stars on the offensive side with uh you know uh, Javante Williams at running back. He's a good running back. He he breaks a lot of tackles. He they also have uh Cortland Sutton at wide out, Jerry Judy at wide out. So, you know, he has some good young stars around him on the offensive side, coupled with a good defense and Bradley Chubb, uh Justin Simmons on the back end playing safety. And they just um acquired Randy Gregory, who had intended to sign with the Cowboys, but flipped his decision to sign with the Broncos. Um so I think that they're making some 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 good decisions and they're adding some key pieces around him that can make him good. I mean, make the team good. As far as them being a Super Bowl contender, though, I don't I don't really know how how that goes because, like I said, they do have some young stars, and and they have a new coaching staff. But if the coaching staff is able to put it all together, um. I think that they'll they'll be a, a good playoff team. Super Bowl contender? Yeah, not yet. Maybe in the next two, two to three years, um, they'll be a Super Bowl contender. But as far as being a, a surefire Super Bowl contender, I don't think so right now. But I think they'll be a good playoff team for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at their record from last year. So they finished with seven wins and ten losses. I think next year you'd probably be able to flip that. I I think that's the best you can do in that situation. Maybe 10 wins, seven losses. I don't see them. I see them, you know, making the playoffs, making a playoff run. But, uh, you know, because with Russell Wilson, you know, he, he can make a lot of miraculous plays. And, you know, gets, he usually is an overachiever during the regular season. So I think, you know, they'll they'll definitely be in the in the race, in the hunt, you know, but. Uh, I think it's definitely a, an upgrade from quarterbacks that they previously previously had. No knock on them, but uh, yeah, you're getting one of the great one of the greater quarterbacks in this league, so it's definitely an upgrade. Yeah, for sure, I hundred percent percent agree with that. A ten and seven record doesn't sound bad. Um, like I said, I, th- I believe they could be a playoff team um, as far as that, all that goes. Uh, but yeah, they they've definitely upgraded from uh, at the quarterback position, and it's gonna be interesting to see all these new moves and interesting moves play out as far as the season goes. But that AFC, the AFC West, bro, they're stacked. They stacked, son. They stacked. Yeah, and my thing, I'm just thinking about it. Like some of the playoff matchups that we could possibly have is just so crazy in the AFC, like. 
It's, it's going to be so fun to watch. The AFC's loaded. They're yeah. loaded. And coming off the playoffs that we just experienced where games were just coming down for the last the – last, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just super excited about it. Look, before we go to break, bro, I just want to mention this. In the AFC, you got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. You know, that's not even – like, man – and and the Jaguars are making noise too, and in, in terms of getting Trevor Lawrence these offensive weapons, like I don't know, it's gonna be. I just can't. I can't wait for the season. I'm ready to watch football right now, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like like you say, man. It's it's stacked, and then we we ain't even mentioned like Lamar Jackson and some of the other quarterbacks who've been doing good things in the AFC. So, man. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I can't I can't give you a firm who gonna make it out because it's it's anybody's division, anybody's conference, I mean. Facts. It's definitely anybody's conference. Definitely. So look, after this, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about our worldwide sports segment. We have a lot to cover there. So y'all stay tuned and don't press nothing. We'll be back. All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Welcome to the World of Sports podcast. So this is the point in our show where we do our worldwide sports segment and talk about all the sports around the world. So our first topic is regarding Jarvis Landry being released after the Amari Cooper trade. Uh, what do you think about that? And do you think who do you think is the winner in that situation? Um, as far as the Amari Cooper trade goes, I think the Browns are the winner because they got a, you know, a star receiver without having to give up much. I think they gave up a fifth and a sixth round pick for Amari Cooper. So that's a win on their part. Um, I think Jarvis Landry also won because, you know, he, he gets a change of scenery, gets to play with, um, potentially a new quarterback that, that's going to be able to get him more touches. No knock on Baker, but I just don't think that Baker's the type of quarterback that can lead a team to a Super Bowl, you know. I, he's a he's an okay quarterback, but as far as being an elite quarterback in this league, I don't think that that's what he is. But So I think Jarvis won in, in some aspect because, you know, he gets to um, change teams and, and basically – He's it's the first time in his career where he he's able to choose the team that he wants to go to. So I think that he won in that aspect. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think he's the biggest winner in this situation uh, because, you know, he, he was with the team for a while and, you know, people started kind of creating their narratives based on the team and how they were performing. And so now he can make his own narrative. So I'm happy for him and I can't wait to see what all good things he does for his next. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Also relating news to LSU. LSU has fired men's basketball head coach Will Wade after they received a notice of allegations detailing all of the potential violations that Will Wade committed as LSU's head coach. Um, how did you feel about this news when you first? Uh, 
I kind of figured that, you know, it would happen because I had heard all of the allegations and all that. And, you know, considering we we as LSU fans, we we know how it gets when one of our coaches is accused of some things and they don't want it to get out. You know, they usually move on from those coaches pretty pretty quickly. So I knew once it started getting kind of bad, we would, we would see the end of it. But uh, I'm not too mad at what he did while he was he was here. You know, they, the the basketball team has been playing pretty well. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not I'm not too mad at it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He was a a a wonderful coach because um, he took the basketball he put, took the basketball program to places that we hadn't been in a while. And you know his record as our coach was ultimately pretty good, also. But I just, you know, when a coach commits some things like that, you just can't keep him around. And I'm kind of um, surprised that they kept him around as long as they did, considering you know they already knew of these allegations. But I also think the reason why they kept him around so long is because that, you know, they had they kind of hoped for a better outcome of this. And I think that the notice of allegations was his final straw because, you know, they gave him chances uh, after they suspended him for the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament back in 2019. But uh, once a coach commits violations like that, that, um, you know, brings potential damage to your program, you just can't keep them. And it's going to be interesting to see who LSU fire. I mean, hires next, not fire. We don't want to fire anybody right now, but we. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who they hire next because uh, AD Scott Woodward. He's known for taking big swings at notable coaches, because um, as you know, he hired Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, Kim Mulkey from Baylor, who are all top coaches in the respective sports. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does in terms of hiring a new basketball coach. Yeah, I'm, I would expect it to be a pretty big hiring because, you know, Kim Mulkey, she's been doing her thing with the Lady Tigers. So the, the men's Tigers, they're going to have to have a really good coach um, to compete next year for sure. But um, moving on, uh, speaking of people moving to different places, people – uh, going to different teams or being released from their teams. Aaron Rodgers decided to stay put. He signed, I believe it's a four-year deal for $200 million. Uh, Yeah, he, he, he's not leaving anytime soon. So what do you think about that? Do you think that he should have reconsidered or do you think that he should have went to a different team? What do you think? Nah, I think uh, – I think – he, he did right staying in Green Bay because, you know, all of his uh, assets are there. The front office bent over backwards to make sure that he had everything that he, he, he wanted, you know. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. And um, also, you said that uh, he signed a four-year $200 million, But he, after they reported that, he came out and said that that wasn't true. And then today ESPN reported that they found they've they obtained a copy of his um current, I mean his new extension that he signed. I think it was like 
three-year, $150 million, I think. I want to say that's what it was. I'm not too sure. But either way that goes, whether he signs a four-year or a three-year deal, you got to think about what they're going to do with the backup quarterback who they drafted in the first round in Jordan Love. Jordan Love's not about to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for three more years. That's going to be five years of his career going to waste sitting behind a quarterback. So I think um, they should try to trade Jordan Love for some draft capital, um, considering that uh, Aaron Rodgers decided to to stay. But uh, ultimately, I think that he made the right decision to stay. I don't really know where else he could have went besides, you know, uh, maybe uh, Tennessee or uh, Indianapolis. But that's all AFC teams. The Packers weren't going to trade him to the NFC. And ultimately, this is his easiest road to getting back to a Super Bowl, which people criticize him for so much for only having one Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree with you on that because, I mean, it's not going to be much of a fight for him to get to the playoffs. I mean, the division, you know, he, he usually cakewalks cakewalk, to, you know, a conference conference championship game or, you know, divisional championship game. So I think as far as, you know, him getting back to, uh, you know, a contending situation, this was definitely the easiest, but, you know, it's his decision, and, you know, I guess he got to live with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so moving on from Aaron Rodgers, the Nets blew out the 76ers. They blew out the 76ers, the team that they traded Ben Simmons. They traded James Harden to for Ben Simmons. Um, also, over the weekend, Kyrie Irving attended a game in the, Black, in the Barclays Center against the Nets as a visitor, but he's unvaccinated, but he's still not able to play on the court at home. So I have two questions for you to, um, so you can dissect. My first question for you is, do you believe the 76ers are true contenders? And my second question is, how do you feel about Kyrie being able to attend games at home, but not able to? All right. So with the first question, I would have to say, I I don't believe so. I, I was a true believer in this 76ers team. When the trade went down, I, was, I said they was the best team in the league. You can mark my word, I said it. I said it was the best team in the league. And then I saw that game, and it completely changed my mind. Because at the end of the day, as a Houston Rockets fan, I have seen James Harden do this time and time again. When there's a big game on the line, and there's something that means something. You could see it in the arena. People was packed. It was packed. People was trash talking. It was just a bunch of, you know, it was it was that playoff type of energy in the building. And he played horrible. And so I think any situation where he's the one or the two guy, I don't know if he can do it. So I don't think they're a contender. I think, you know, they'll they'll make it far. They might make it to the conference uh championship you know, the conference finals, but I don't think they'll win it. And that's just my opinion on it because I see how inspired the Nets were playing to beat them. And I think they'll end the series pretty quickly if Kyrie can play. Now, regarding that situation, I believe that is absolutely stupid that he can be in the building. Fans don't have to be vaccinated. I mean, he might as well be able to play if he there, he right there by everybody else. So 
I think he should he should be able to play, and they should just kind of you know lack that lack that rule for him to be able to play. But what are your thoughts on that? I know I have some pretty hot opinions about it. <laughs> Look, before I even get into this, bro, I'm, I'm gonna just say this right quick. Uh, so I'm lo- I'm on ESPN that right now, looking at you know the game from the night. Uh, Brooklyn played Orlando tonight in Orlando. You want to know the score? What was it? The score is 150 to 108. Brooklyn winning with 2.3 seconds left in the fourth. See, this is not not even the crazy part, though. Listen to this. Kyrie Irving has 60 points. (laughs) He dropped a 60 ball. He dropped a 60 ball. So, I don't know. Um, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. I thought that was fascinating. I wanted to share that with you. <laughs> but uh, so basically, as far as the Nets, I mean, it's not the Nets, the 76ers. Are they true contenders? Um, if Harden can produce in big games, yes. If he can produce in big games, yes. But I don't know because I'm iffy about it. Harden can't play all 48 minutes. And the 76ers bench is considerably weak. And I say this because I watched the game last night and, you know, bench, their bench is what played a major role in them losing that game. Joel Embiid had a good game. He dropped 33. Harden had a good game. You know, he put up some solid numbers. But their bench is ultimately, you know, the weakest point of the team. So are there true contenders? I don't know because that East is stacked. That East is stacked. But also when playoff time comes, you never know what's going to happen. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm just not sold on the 76ers as contenders right now um, because in the biggest moments, James Harden just does not show up. So it's going to be interesting um, to see. But as of right now, I'm not sold on them as contenders. As far as the Kyrie Irving situation goes in Brooklyn, I agree with you. I believe that is a hundred percent stupid that this man is able to sit on side on the sideline at the game as a spectator. The same, not even five feet away from the court or where players are playing, but he can't go out there and play. What's the difference? You got people that's in the arena watching the game. They're unvaccinated, but this man can't get on the court and play. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't even think that he's allowed in the locker room because if I'm not mistaken, I think the NBA fined the Nets 50K for letting him in the locker room after the game. So I just think that it's absolute stupid what Kyrie um, is going through. But also I don't think that this is going to change anytime soon because the, the mayor is adamant that uh, he just can't make an exception for one person. And he keeps insisting that Kyrie Irving gets vaccinated if he wants to play. So it's going to be interesting. I'd say this a lot about everything, but it's really going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, But I just think that it's absolute stupid that that man can be in the arena watching the game in person five feet away from the court, but he can't play. Like that makes zero sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really a dumb situation but I just 
I think that's the only thing. Like we were talking about the 76ers early in this uh, early in this topic, and I'm, I'm gonna leave it after this. But uh, we were talking about the 76ers and them being contenders. I think the only thing that makes them a contender is the fact that uh, you know we don't know Kyrie's status. I mean, I know they gotta play other teams. You know, it's other teams at the top of the East, but I feel as though you know the Nets would be their truest their truest competition. And if Kyrie can't play, then that changes everything. Um, but that's all for our worldwide sports segment segment. And uh, we thank y'all for listening to that segment. And y'all heard my boy, John, don't touch nothing. Thank you.